This is a family podcast where each week I sit down with a member of my fam bam and we talk about what it's like growing up in polygamy. This is a continuation of my grandfather's episodes and it's going to be a great one because we transition between his time in the Secret Service to when he was in the Border Patrol. It's going to be a great episode for you guys and if you have any questions just send them in Facebook, Instagram or Gmail. That's the best way to reach out to me. If you have a messenger pigeon we can try that too. No guarantees. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you like that? Yeah. Yeah? Was it funny? Yeah. Can it be funnier? What if I said it like this? If you have messenger pigeons, let's try it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah. But we might as well get right into it. I hope you enjoy the fourth installment of the episode that I have with my mom's dad. Okay, where are we? All right, so last we left off was uh, you had just finished um, telling me about the the lack of doing the doodah on the (laughs) (laughs) the president's hideaway desk in or desk in the hideaway office rather. Okay, let's just let's just put we're going to have to leave the president's desk on a. On a 60-40 year or something. <laughs> for my own protection to a certain degree or whatnot. Okay, Booza. You know, you talk to your grandma and... Uh, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know. Anyway. Okay. So... So, from there, what I was curious about was... I mean, a little disappointed that it didn't actually happen, to be fair. Because I think it's just a better story if you did. But that's okay. But you don't know. I mean, let's put it this way. I'm not, <laughs> and I told you I was hesitating. And your grandma blushed the size, the color of your shirt and everything. Yeah, she, yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna go off of grandma. In my own brain, that's how it's going to happen for me. And that's totally cool. And that's the way it's going to happen. That's a 60-40. I, I'm not going <laughs> to, the envision of, anyway, let's, uh, yeah. It was not the, it was, it was not the, Oval Office, it was the hideaway office. It okay. wasn't the uh, road, red, the resolute desk. Resolute, resolute desk. It was not the resolute desk. It was just the desk that was in the hideaway office. Yeah, and I All did right. set your grandma up on it, and I did, <laughs> I did start a romance. Now I'm not going to make any comment whether, I, whether that romance was finished or not. Finished. <laughs> but your mother was born about nine months later. Yes. <laughs> the timing's just too perfect. Okay. So from there, uh, there's just a few more things, um, small things, not small, th- actually, no. In fact, the exact opposite of small things, being involved and in the events leading up towards Nixon's um, eventual resignation due okay. to Watergate. Okay. We were told, uh, one, you, you have perks when you're with different jobs that you have. In the Secret Service. Well, you have perks with with any job. Okay, yeah. yeah. There's certain perks, you know, mm-hmm. that, that come with a job. 
And one of the perks that we had, because because we were on call, and sometimes we would have to work overtime without any notice or anything else. And of course, you need to call home and let your wife know that you're not going to be home for dinner. You're going to be late yep. or counsel the babysitter or mm-hmm. whatever. So we were told that we could use uh, what we called the open lines in the White House. Those are the public lines. The phone lines. Phone lines, public phone lines. And you can pick it up and you can call home, talk mm-hmm. to your wife and say this. And if, if you're on break or something like this, but of course on duty not to. So, <clears throat> so your grandpa <laughs> is... Uh, I'm I'm on what you'd call a break time. A break time. You're on break. Yeah, I'm on I'm on a break time, but I'm on a break time, and I'm got the president's hideaway office, and it's. I remember the first time that it happened. It was a, I think it was a, a Saturday afternoon or something. The president wasn't there, and I'm just duty, you know. Yeah. And so you you would take your breaks in the hideaway office. I take my breaks while I was at the hideaway office because there's nobody there, and they wouldn't even bother about pushing me. Oh, okay. I wouldn't be pushed off for a break because nobody was there. Everything is closed up. So you're just... You're, you're it's just, the quietest spot in the White House. Yeah, and you're managing, <laughs> you're managing your own time, in a sense. You know, yeah. you're being open and honest about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, okay, you know, I'm bored. And I made a few calls home to to your grandma and just say, I'm sitting here bored to death, and, you know. Mm-hmm. And, We'd talk about the future or something, and I'd hang up. And, and yeah, I'd just kind of just a conversation. Yeah, just, yep. just calling home and mm-hmm. put myself on the break and yeah. sitting here. And I got an open line that I can use. Yeah. And it's fine. And they said we could do that. Okay. You know. Well, one day I get this great idea. I've got this brother that is uh, turning commie on me going to uh, Southern Oregon, Oregon University and is his professor is pumping all this uh, communist agenda down his throat, and he's, okay. trying, he's preaching it to me. My, you're, bro- you're my brother Rick. Okay. And he's kind of preaching this stuff to me. Rick's saying these things to you? Oh, Rick is, uh, yeah, he, he even admits it himself. I'm not going to say communism as, as much as it was socialism or something. Oh, okay. All right. And, uh, and, and he's getting this from his professor. Okay. And this class that he's taking. So I call him up, I get him on, I look at the phones, and I, I know that there's this one phone you don't touch. You pick up the receiver at that, and you're going to uh, get this Army intelligence line. Um, mm. In other words, what country am I <laughs> yeah. locking you into, Mr. President? Yeah, yeah. The president was the only one that lifted up that receiver. Okay. And I knew, leave that alone. Yeah. But I knew that on the desk there was a regular open phone. So I'm at the president's desk. In the hideaway office. In the hideaway office. I'm sitting at his desk. You're just hanging out. Just hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) I check it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sitting at his desk. I'm the only one. There's nobody. Nobody's around. And I pick up the phone. This is the phone that you're not supposed to touch? No. This is the regular Regular old phone. Okay. Open line phone. But it happens to be the one the president uses. Okay. It's like the president's the president is open line. Order pizza. He's going to call up on this line. Okay, this gotcha. is the phone that the president used to call the famous game with the with the Washington Redskins and I believe the Miami Dolphins. And he told him to do this one play. I was on that di- that on duty that day with with, with when, President Nixon. With President Nixon. I don't know of that, that story. Oh yeah, it's there. You could you could probably Google it. All right, I'm gonna I'm just, while you're talking, I'm gonna look that okay, up. Okay. Anyway, the president calls a play. 
<laughs> and they lose it. And he comes out and talks to and and complains to both my both the Secret Service agent that was on duty and myself and, and he, little cuss words and he's yeah. really into President Nixon was really into his sports. So it was that phone. Yeah. So it was the phone that the, the public phone that he was able to use to, yeah, to yeah, call I, out. I'm just use that as an example now. If you get that on your computer, doing your fact check here. Well, I'm I'm just looking at and it says uh, I just googled like Nixon calling to try and you know call a football game. Yeah. Uh, and it says and this is from Yahoo Sports. President Nixon tried to help the Miami, the Miami Dolphins win Super Bowl six in 1972. In 1972. Does that's that, it. That that's makes the sense. One. That's yep. the one. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. one okay so anyway it was that phone okay was, i don't know the exact data when that was but anyway at that time in 72 when you in january okay gotcha. january of 72 that's yeah. yeah 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 and i had the president's office at that time okay so uh i pick up the phone i get my brother on the phone and i start arguing politics with my brother I was accusing him of being a communist. <laughs> and I'm sitting at the president's desk with the president's phone, the same one that he used to call. And to Don call, Shula, yeah. Yeah, to call Don Shula. That <laughs> play. <laughs> well, I, and I was using this phone quite, quite liberally. Okay. Actually. Now, I wasn't making a whole lot of long distance phone calls. Or but you were like using that. it just to chat with your wife. Chat and with my wife. Call your brother. Call my brother. But my that was a long distance phone call with my brother. But if you'd made long distance phone calls, what they would what they would do, they'd come back and they'd make you pay the bill. They'd say, mm -hmm. hey, you made some phone long distance. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, you yeah, you write it off and they take yeah. it out of your check or whatever. Yeah, well, no, you just. I don't. I forget how they do because they never, they never really enforced it. But we was told that they could. In other words, mm. so kind of the the threat of it, kind of. Yeah, the All emergency. Right. Or don't do it. You know, discouraged from doing it. But I, I of course, I did it, and I wasn't the only one. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so one day towards evening, I noticed that in the morning, or sometime during the day, uh, TSD. Technical Security Division of the United States Secret Service. And that's who I, an I answered to a lot because... The TSD. TSD, the Technical Security Division. Okay. Rather than the agents themselves. When I was on duty with an agent, I was I took orders from that a particular agent. The TSD agent. No, no. Okay. okay. When the president is moving, okay. the president has his security team of... His, secret, per his personal detail. His Secret Service detail. Okay. That is with him everywhere he moves. Okay. Okay. When, when his office is empty, I'm there at the office. Okay. When he comes to his office, an agent comes with him. Mm -hmm. At that time, the agent is in charge, and I'm subject to the agent. Okay. That's the Secret Service agents. Mm -hmm. Now, the Secret Service, the office has sensors around it. And TSD is in charge of all the electronics. Oh, okay. Okay, ah. technical security division. Got it. For got instance, it. I wrote up Ziegler. Yeah. I mean, not Ziegler, but Kissinger. I wrote Kissinger up because Kissinger didn't knew that there was a pressure plate coming into the executive office building from the back, mm -hmm. and he was. <laughs> Okay. Kissinger, Kissinger was was really really quite the quite the individual. He took the trouble of 
trying trying to step on the side of his shoe and everything else to get her around that pressure pad. I watched, so he, so watched he, him do it. You, one so you time. watched the Secretary of State, <laughs> the United States Secretary of State, try and not trip the pressure plate going yeah, into the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, That's I did, awesome. and I wrote him up. All right. <laughs> okay. When we when we wrote the memo up on it, they just said uh, a White House staff. Person. And I said, wait a minute, it was Kissinger. Well, we're not putting that on. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, All right. Whatever fine. works, I'll sign it. And I signed it. And that was Kissinger. Kissinger was, uh, and I know I'm sidetracking here, but I have to do it while it's fresh on my mind. <laughs> I, you, had, you had the outer door, and you'd come up the steps from the Executive Avenue, and you'd come through this door. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you got to the top of those steps, you had a pressure plate. It was the technology of 1970. Yeah. You know. And so you had this pressure plate. You step on that pressure plate. I knew somebody was out there. Yeah. I'm alert. I come up. Who's there? Because I didn't receive a phone call that the president was coming. I knew it's not the president. If the president was coming, we have a code, and then he's in route. Yeah. And the agent comes in. president will come in from the back. The agent, you know. Basically, you just need eyes on whoever is around, and these pressure yeah, so plates anyway, told so you who's around. So the pressure plates tells me, you know, somebody's at that door, and, and okay. I didn't receive a call, so I alert real okay. quick. You know, you hear the little ping because a lot of times the the other the other officers say Kissinger's on his way, or or uh, Holderman's on his way. Ehrlichman Ehrlichman's in route your way. Be a, know that he's coming. Then I'd hear the pressure plate, and I know to get over there to open up the door for him. Okay, because they didn't have a key. Okay, sometimes the door would be left unlocked if you knew they were coming or something. Anyway. So I see Kirk Kissinger doing this. <laughs> I write him up. Anyway, he didn't like that. So I don't know, <laughs> a week or sometime later, he's coming over there and he's needing to get into the president's office. And, of course, he's got clearance, and my job is to let him in. Yeah. Don't question him. Don't, don't even ask any questions. Just I mean, let him in. He doesn't need no As long as he's wearing his badge. <laughs> you know, Kissinger didn't have to wear a badge. Oh, okay. Kissinger, but Ziegler did. Kissinger, okay. Kissinger pretty much had his way, okay? All right. Him and uh, Jagger Hoover and the Bulldog. Yeah. Okay, so... Did you ever met Hoover? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I guess I'll have to tell you about that now. <laughs> yes, I did. I'm at 2 o'clock, I think it was about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. So anyway, Kissinger comes up one day, and I let him in through the back, and he's not trying to skirt around the pressure plate anymore. Yeah, he got cold on it when I wrote him up. He's <laughs> right next to me, and I'm opening up the president's door. Yeah, he just he right onto my left shoulder. Like yeah, this, you know, your shoulder to shoulder, literally, uh, chest to shoulder. Yeah, and I said, Mister Kissinger, I'm being respectful to him. Kissinger was big stuff. Yeah. He's about as important as the president. Well, he's the Secretary of State. Oh, he was and he was more, the National Security Advisor. He was and, more than that. He yeah. was more than that. I'll guarantee you. Yeah. And, and he knew all about Watergate. You can go ahead and watch what you want. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. He knew about Watergate. Okay. Anyway, I said, Mister Kissinger, you got to you got to move away from me. And it's like he, I don't know if he was trying to bully me or what. Okay. And so finally, I looked at him. I said. Mr. Kissinger, in all due respect, you're not going to have to spend. I want you to be three feet away from me or I'm not going to open up a door for you. You said this to the Secretary of State. Yeah, I did. Okay. Okay. And he backs <laughs> up three feet. And I opened up the door for him. And from then on, he stayed 
three feet away from me when I opened up a door. So do you think that he was kind of using just his physical presence as like a dominance thing? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So he basically... Actually, I liked the man. He was nice and everything, but he did not like the idea that I rolled him up for skirting around that pressure plate. (laughs) I didn't have any problem with him until then. And then I only had that problem that one time. And then everything else was fine. He just got right up next to me. Mm. You know. Okay. <laughs> okay. You don't want to dance as dance with me, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. So anyway, so that was it. Well anyway, so I'm I'm using this telephone. Now we're getting into Watergate here. Now I knew I knew that there were certain phones that were being tapped. Okay, so what, what? So how did you know those things? How did well, you know yeah, that just, they were tapped? Just, just hear it from there and hear it from here. From other, so it sounded like there other was officers and stuff. Just I knew kind that of a some, rumor that was yeah, in I the knew air. that there, rumor in the air that there was some phones tapped. Okay, okay, ju- just a rumor. Yeah. So I'm sitting to myself now. The only reason now I had another outline phone out in the hallway. Open line. Open line. Okay. Out in the hallway on my desk, there was an open line. Okay might be needed for some purpose or something. And um, plus I had a cabinet that had all the good stuff in it, you know, plastic CNS grenades and boom boom stuff. So you had like a bunch of like artillery oh, stuff? You, I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> we're not covering, we're not covering that part. Oh, uh, okay? okay. We'll talk about it off the air. All right. Okay. So anyway, uh, so you had this other phone. I had this other phone was out in the hallway mm-hmm. that I could use. And so other people would come up and they'd say, can I use your phone for a minute? I got uh, some people that were waiting for the presence. says, hey, I have to call so-and-so to let them know. Cause you, we didn't have the cell phones. Then. Yeah, yeah. And there was a phone. Mm-hmm. There it was. It was handy in the outside line. And they could get and call whoever and say, I'm going to be late to president. You know, I'm running late on my appointment with the president. Uh, George Wallace. George Wallace. George Wallace was in the White House a lot. Uh, like the comedian? No, George <laughs> Wallace. I think I might be thinking of the wrong person. No, the newsman, newsman you know? Am I t- using his son's name or am I using his oh, name? Oh, the former governor of Alabama. No, 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 no. What? No, am I, Wallace the newsman. Wallace the newsman, okay. Um, uh, journalist. Journalist. Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace. Oh, okay. Mike Wallace, the journalist. Okay, I'm seventy. I'm seventy-eight years old, grandson. I, got, I need a break here. It's a okay. Bit. It's all right. No, I'm. I just want to make sure that we okay. get the name straight. Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace would be turning over in his grave watching how his son is bumbling up everything today. You know. Okay. <laughs> his son. His son is not doing a very good job of fulfilling his father's shoes. <laughs> Okay, so Mike Wallace, just for some context, he's the guy. He, he's, he's, for example, is one that I remember using my phone. Okay, so Mike Wallace was one of the, the pioneers behind the show uh, 60 Minutes. Yeah. 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 Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So anyway. So he, so would, he would use your phone? I just remember him using it once. Oh, okay. You know, he had to call because he was waiting for the president. Because he's doing an interview or interview whatever, with the president, okay. whatever he was okay. uh, well known. He was in there, and, and uh, he was very he was very respectful and good to us Secret Service personnel. Okay, uh, he he would call you by your first name or something. Well, how's it going? And ask oh, you how cool. the kids are doing. And nice. He'd take a minute to to 
come down and hey, yeah, just chat with you for a minute. Chat with you. Oh, cool. No. Yeah, yeah. Good That's guy. awesome. Good guy that way. He didn't. He made you feel that he was uh, an equal to you. Nice. And uh, tell you the truth, I really, really didn't know what political party he favored. He was able to present that's good, himself. That's a good that journalist. Way. Yeah, he was able to present himself in that way. That's yeah, good. Okay. That's good journalism. Yeah, his son can't help but do his thing. Anyway, okay. So, so this one particular day, I decided to use the president's phone. For what purpose? Just because I happened to be inside the president's office. Oval hideaway, office. Oh, the hideaway office. Hideaway office at okay. that time. All right. You know, checking things and everything, and say, well, I to call my brother and i i used that phone okay and i used it again called the wife and it's handy and i'm right there and i just used the same out uh, yeah to me it was the same outside line well i yeah, hear these rumors well the one reason why you know i hear these rumors there's certain phones being tapped just a rumor and i thought well from now on i'm going to use the president's phone on the president's desk because i know that phone won't be tapped Oh, so you were concerned about calling home to your wife and on a phone that was, was tapped. tapped. Oh, so you didn't want to have your personal conversation. I didn't want my personal conversation <laughs> with my wife on somebody's tape. Okay. And I said, and yeah. they're not going to tape the president's phone. Oh, there's no so way. I, no way. So I'm going to use the president's <laughs> open line that's sitting on his desk. Yeah. Now, that's how, why I started using that. Okay. Line. Because I was very respectful of his office, and I would always, if I'm going to use a personal line, I, I, I of course, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch his desk. Yeah. We, we had certain protocols. But when I, when I realized and heard these rumors, hey, be careful, there's some phones tapped that are when you're talking, when you're calling home or whatever. So, and, that, and that's why I decided to use that when I was going to dress my brother down for being a communist. So you were using this, <laughs> the president's phone to tell your brother to quit being a communist. Because I was afraid that the phone out on the desk out in the hallway was, was tapped. tapped. <laughs> and I thought nobody would dare tap the president's phone. So I'm which using, we all know. Which we all know now was the phone that was tapped. Yeah. The, and, and the other phones weren't tapped. <laughs> so you were using the one that was tapped. Okay. Now because the you thought why, it wasn't. The reason why, <laughs> well, and I, I stopped that real quick, too. Yeah. Because yeah. one day, one day, the TSD, I noticed that the TSD would go in there. Yeah. You don't question them. Mm-hmm. Because they're taking care of all the electronics and everything else. Yep, yep. And you go in there and you have his briefcase and you go in there and you don't follow him in. You know. The TSD. TSD. Okay. Technical Security Division. I mean, everything. You you, know, you answer to them. You do not question them. Well, it's the United States Secret Service. Yeah. For a reason. It's a secret. Mm-hmm. The president's is a need-to-know basis. Just because you got a Secret Service clearance doesn't just give you carte Access, here. yeah. No. Yeah. Need-to-know basis. Yeah. Okay, if you're on his detail or something, you need to know where he's going to be. You need to know when he's coming to this or that because you're yeah. on duty and you're covering that. Mm-hmm. It's not for me to know what TSD is doing. I know about the pressure plates and if they're going to change it and the mm-hmm. censoring system around the So everything office. that you knew was stuff that you needed to know for that your job. That I needed to and know any for other, my job. And any, any other, other information was, you just did not be told. Nope, and I didn't. And, don't, and you, you and didn't don't ask for it. Okay. Don't ask for it. And there you go. That's just, it and makes that's sense. Good. It makes, that sense. makes sense. Yeah. Well, this TSD agent would come in there on a daily basis and he'd leave. And I didn't question it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could have been anything something the president wanted him to do one day he comes up to me and it was it was in the evening it was one evening and he said williams 
get off the phone. Just like that. And I'm going, what? And he points his finger at me and he says, get off the president's phone. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he said president's phone, but he was referring to that. Let's that, put it speci- that, way. The, that specific phone. Get off the phone. Get off the phone. And, and we all know what the phone was. Now. Yeah. And I go, oh, Ooh, shit. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that phone's tapped. Why are they tapping? Why are they? Well, right about that time, now I'm, you know, okay, yeah, I got off that phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't make another phone call. Home. Yeah, you were scared straight oh, at that yeah, point. If I made a phone call home, I got off the White House grounds. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this TSD guy was like, hey, well, chill TS- out, knock it off. TSD, if I made a report or something on anything like that, it, it always went through TSD. Okay. Uh, that's that's who I reported to. Gotcha. TSD. Yeah. So a week or so after that, now I'm a little bit on the paranoid end. Because mm-hmm. I'm hearing other things going on, and I rumors, also, whispers, rumors, whispers are going around, and also it was uh, Nixon was holding some interesting meetings. I remember one time Mitchell and uh, Ehrlichman and Halder. Mitchell was uh, the Attorney General, and uh, I logged Mitchell, Halderman, Ehrlichman. I logged all of these guys in. And I remember putting it, and I'd always sign my name, the full name, Rodney F. Williams. Yeah. And I'd have to sign my name after I, after they had an appointment in the appointment log. Yeah. And I remember logging them in and writing my name. And the reason why I can remember that is because uh, a year or so later, when I was in the U.S. Border Patrol, the, bo- uh, the watch commander calls me in and says, yeah, they're going to be putting you on a plane for Washington, D.C. I said, why? Got to verify your signature. Said, what do you mean? Well, you evidently logged in some of these Watergate people. I said, I did. He says, yeah, you get your memory straight. (laughs) We just got the call, and they're... And they want you back, They're going to be flying you in. And uh, I said, well, okay. They'll they'll show me what it is, and all you're going to have to do is verify your signature. Okay. Well, I can't remember how it was. I think they Xeroxed a copy to the Border Patrol. Mm Mm-hmm. And they had me look at it, and they had me verify the fact that that was my signature, and I verified it was my signature, and I and they didn't fly me into. No, they didn't fly, have to fly no, out. Okay. No. So that's where I'm tied into. Sure. Watergate. Sure. That's the only place I'm really tied into. Oh, Watergate. okay. All right. All right. That. Except, except, <clears throat> president comes to his office, and this is right in the middle of all these little rumors going around. Yeah. And this is after I was told get off get off the phone. Yeah. Get off the phone. Mm-hmm. And when the president would leave, he, there was a, when you come in from where the pressure pad was and everything in the back where you come in, the first thing you're going to see is this very, very nice-looking, intelligent, blonde, blue-eyed lady that used to be a uh, stewardess in the airlines and yeah. everything. And she's the receptionist that you're going to meet for the president's office. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She has no business in the hideaway office. She's not cleared to go in there, but she, she's just cleared on the receptionist area. Yeah. But when the president would leave, he would always leave the door wide open. Okay. To his office. To, to his inner office. The hideaway he, office? The hideaway office. So he, he would leave the door to the hideaway office open. He, when he would leave, he would. When he would leave. And I would go in there and check it, you know. Oh, and, close, and then, and then okay. close it. All right. Okay. And um, Nixon had a habit of leaving little notes laying around. 
And of course, you didn't want the housekeepers coming in and seeing those little notes. What did he? What did you write on those notes? I'll tell you one of them in a okay. minute. And you take <laughs> if, if he left something like that, you'd take it, put it in the envelope, and I'd turn it over to Technical Security Division. Okay. And they they would know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And and I would just look at it and put it in none of my business to read it. But he used to write these little notes, mm-hmm. and we'd see him laying around for this, and some of them would just you know need to get some more wine in my cabinet <laughs> some you know little yeah. thing like that yeah well anyway i come in to to go into his office and there would be times when he would leave his briefcase open the instructions oh. were just close the briefcase if just, he left his briefcase open just you tap close it, it closed yep. don't go doing anything with it just tap it closed yeah that way if somebody comes in there designer or something there you know the briefcase is closed well I come to go into the office, and I look over there, and there's Sally Inge going through the president's briefcase. And Sally Inge is this reception lady. Okay. She's not really clear to be in there. And she's just, I mean, thumbing through this thing. Now, I'm using her name because I wrote her up. I put her name on the memo, so (laughs) nobody wants us. Hi, Sally Inge, if you're still alive. She was my age or older, so I mean, she'd be in her 80s now, probably. Okay. Well, anyway, (coughs) now, it's very possible... It's very possible that she received a phone call from Halderman or somebody else and says, hey, the president left something in his briefcase. Could you get it? Okay. Now, that's a possibility. Sure. And sure. In defense of Sally Inch. Yeah. But I didn't know what that was. And you didn't know that she was told that because you're on a need-to-know basis. I'm on a need-to-know basis. They would have to figure it out. Yeah. You know. All I saw was that she was in a restricted area, and she's going through... The president's president's briefcase. briefcase. Ooh, all right. And so I wrote it up. And uh, and I could tell she's a bit embarrassed. Sorry, and she left. I didn't say anything. And Mm -hmm. I slapped it closed, and I wrote her up. (laughs) Halderman just went berserk. On you? On me. Yeah. Not on me personally. But just oh the, yeah, to the, where they were going to close the door, the outside door from the hallway, and ban me from even being there. They wanted me off that post. And they wanted me off that post now. Yeah, I knew something was going crazy. I'm in the office one day, so something's screwy. Something's, something's up. Screwy. Something's going on. So, so here was one of my biggest temptations of life, and I did not succumb to it. Okay. Bigger temptation than your grandma. more tempting than doing the do dot on the desk okay (laughs) i'm in the office and i and it's on the floor and i see this brown piece of paper folded in half and it's on the floor and i thought what's this so i pick it up i open it up to read it and it says simple words send david kennedy to china Send Dave Kennedy to China. David Kennedy to China. I'm going, what the hell? David Kennedy is not related to the regular Kennedys. He was the, if, you, if you're fact-checking everything I'm saying. Yeah, so I'm just making good. sure. So Go he was... David Kennedy, who is, before you even tell me what it is, I'll tell you, he used to be the Secretary of Treasury, and then he was released from that by uh, President Nixon and made ambassador at large. Ambassador now, at large. Fast check that. Okay, I want to make sure. So David A. Kennedy, uh, the fourth of 11 children of Robert F. Kennedy and Ethel Skakel. Does that ring a bell? 
Mormons? Um, I don't see... He was see. Mormon. Um, the same church I attended. He was Secretary of Treasury. Secretary of Treasury during Nixon's term? Okay. He was my boss. Secretary of Treasury? Yeah. Fact check me. All right. I just want to make sure that I'm on I'm on the same page here because I like I like seeing. Yeah. Yep, okay. Yep. So, um, so the Secretary of Treasury um, during the Nixon administration, it says here, was William Edward Simon. Okay. You also had David Kennedy. Okay. So was Prior David to, Kennedy the Secretary of Treasury, or was he like a, the assistant too? I think he was the Secretary of Treasury when in 1970. One, 72. During 1971, okay. All right, whoops. Okay, David M. Kennedy, there you go. All right, okay, I, think I, I think I picked up the wrong David. Okay, so. Ah, uh, yes, okay. And then American politician, okay, I see it here, yep. Okay, yeah, so he was born in Utah, died in Salt Lake City. Yes. He's Mormon, all right, okay. He and I went to church together. All right. And he was my boss because I was part of the Treasury Department. And I was in the same ward that he was in. Secretary of Treasury. Okay, there we go. We got it right here. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, so Perfect. We, we attended church together. Cool. You know. All right. Sat next to him in church. Yeah. Secretary right. of Treasury. Yeah. yeah. We belonged to the same ward. That's okay. cool. Yeah. And then he became ambassador at large. So he was the one that wanted, to, or that Nixon wanted to send to China? Yes. Okay. And I remember reading that, and something told me, you've got history here. China's opening up. Yeah. Take this brown piece of paper, stick it in your shirt pocket, and save it till you retire. Mm. <laughs> and you didn't succumb <laughs> to that temptation. you have the president's handwriting saying, send David Kennedy. To China. To China. And I thought Kissinger's going to have a fit if, when he learns that Nixon is going to send David Kennedy to China instead of him. I said, that's going to be a battle. Ah. Well, Kissinger ends up going to China instead of... Instead of David Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. And I had that, and <clears throat> I was being, doing what I was supposed to do and trained to do, and I put it in the envelope. And, and you didn't take it? it. On, I passed it on to... TSD and... TSD. You didn't take it? Nope. <sighs> Of course not. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> just no. one of those things like, oh, man, <laughs> I wish you would have done it, but then you probably would have gotten just fired. Like, just like I didn't do anything with your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, so no, I, I did not. I did not take it. I put it in the envelope and I turned it over to uh, TSD. But I knew something was going on. I knew something big was going on. It's just the way things are going. Mm -hmm. Al Haig. Uh, in a screaming match with uh, Kissinger, I mean, oh my gosh, I'm thinking, whew. you know, Kissinger was just dressing down Al Haig, and I mean, I could hear it, and I said, hey, you guys, keep your, keep the noise down here, you know, <laughs> but there's things going on, yeah. Yeah, so you knew, you were kind of uh, turned on to the idea that there was strange things happening, excuse me, in the White House. Yeah. Tapped phones, because the TSD guy said, hey, get off the phone. <laughs> And said, hey, you're on the phone. So that obviously lends to the idea that it was tapped. Oh, I knew. the. Pr I'm sitting there thinking. I'm using, 
I'm knowing that there's phones tapped. They're not going to tap the president's They're phone. They're not going to tap the president. So when I call home <laughs> to tell the wife I'm bored and tell the wife I might be late or this or that, I'm going to use the president's phone on his desk because I know that's not tapped. So there's there's and probably... And when I decided to dress my brother down that, that <laughs> evening for being a communist, and I knew I was having to make a long-distance phone call, and I thought... Okay, I'll make arrangements to pay for this call. Yeah, you know, but I am definitely going to let my brother know what I think about him on this issue with his <laughs> professor that's yeah, yeah. leading him astray and everything. Okay, okay so now, that yeah. goes, that's all in Watergate now. That's all. That's so those that's history. It's, it's those, there. Those those conversations that you had with your brother and grandma, just talking about coming home and being bored and everything, yeah. is part of the Watergate case. It, it is. It is. <laughs> that's so cool. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those probably weren't. Uh, were no. they, they? They weren't given in, as evidence in court during that hearing or no, anything. No, of okay. course not. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah. brushed that off, but I never. No, nobody got after me for it. Well, there you go. You heard it <laughs> you here <know>? first. <laughs> you know. So anyway, so it come a point where your grandma and I, Stella and I, decided that I told her I says, you know. I'd like to get out on the street where I could see some action. I'm bored to death. You want some, some something yeah, to they, where you can move they, around. We had a big demonstration. I mean, the demonstration was so big; it was anti-war demonstration. Mm -hmm. And I was a Vietnam vet, and and uh, what was interesting is everybody, 100% of all of the officers that was in in the that I was in the academy with, 100% of us were Vietnam vets. Yeah, that's what you were saying. Yeah, yep. some, some of us were. Uh, well, I was saying when we went to take the exam, but at the academy, oh, okay, we were all Vietnam vets. And yeah, we all had stories of Vietnam, mm -hmm. and some of them, and, some, and a lot of these officers were recon marine Vietnam vets. So they were deep. Yeah, I mean they were, yeah, they were in the doodah, you know. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and would swap stories, and I never, I always felt bad because I really didn't have these stories. Because you were just on the boat that just took the the first peep, the first people. The first, Took the first ones in. I was probably lucky to be classified as as a war veteran, mm -hmm. Vietnam War veteran. But I, you still fell under the classification of veteran. I fell under the classification. I got that five percent. Gotcha. Okay, which got ready to pay off again. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. Uh, so you you tell you tell grandma that you want to see some action. You want it, you're bored to death just walking around yeah. the White House. Well, I'm sitting at the. I, one day the president is in his office, and there's two agents on duty. At this particular time, sometimes there's one. This time there's two, which told me that was probably an agent in training. Mm -hmm. uh, and this one agent, and I noticed that he spoke Spanish. Now, what a lot of people don't know is President Nixon, Nixon spoke Spanish. President Nixon spoke flu Spanish. like fluently. Well, to me at that time, not knowing Spanish, to me it was fluent. It probably oh. wasn't. Okay. He had a Cuban valet. See, President Nixon, President Nixon, uh, I got to know his. His valet, because his valet would a lot of times bring out President Nixon's uh, breakfast or lunch because because um, Trisha Nixon decided to put her dad on a, I think it was Trisha Nixon, decided to put her dad on a, uh, on a diet. <laughs> so she goes down to the kitchen and says, this So is this is Nixon's daughter. Yeah, this, this is what you're going to feed my dad. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Nixon a lot of times would have lunch or breakfast, especially breakfast in his, in his hideaway office. Yeah. He he hung out there quite a bit. He okay. was, Nixon was kind of a loner. He didn't like a lot of 
attention around him at times, especially when he was wanting to be a deep thinker. He was a deep thinker in, his, in a sense that I could see. Okay. The side of him that I see. Okay. The side of him that I saw, he was very respectful to me. Mm-hmm. He saw me on a daily basis when he was going in. He always nodded his head and said, nice. The person that was the nicest to me and it was the nicest to the Secret Service agent was like Vice President Agnew, who had an office directly above the President's hideaway office. And he would run up the stairs. This guy would take him two at a time. <laughs> so the vice, in. the vice president's getting a workout in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I talked to the agents who were assigned to him, and he said, this guy runs down the beach in the sand, and here we are loaded down with all of our gear, and we're having to keep up with him. <laughs> the agent that is in the best shape gets assigned to Agnew, and they, the agent with the least physical <laughs> gets assigned to Nixon, the president, <laughs> because... Agnew was Agnew uh, was a fit dude. Oh, he was fit. Yeah, you just taking steps two at a time. I don't, I don't know if he needed an agent to protect him. He could have taken care of himself on, <laughs> on, a, on a close contact. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Any anyway. Uh, so Agnew was a very respectful oh, guy. Very towards, respectful. Okay. Very respectful. He would he, when he he'd take these. I'd hear him coming up the stairs, I, and I knew he was coming because I get a call. Yeah. And it would be his code name. Yeah. Okay. And can, you, can you tell me his code name? I, maybe I would if I could, but I forgot it. Oh, okay. And it was something that I allowed myself to forget because... Because you you're in that training and don't want to. Okay, yeah. gotcha. I and understand. I, and if I knew it now, even though it's probably not in use, I wouldn't. Yeah. I heard it once. I know it's not a secret anymore because I was watching a special on oh, and Secret they Service. And they said, and this is what we called him and things like that. So the presidents okay. and whatnot. And then you had certain beeps that would come across on your radio. Yeah. And you had already known Morse code from the Navy service. And yeah, everything. but I, you would, these beeps would come across on your on your radio, and you would know who was in who was in route Just because of the type of beeps that were coming through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, but anyway, so cool. So, so President Nixon would slap fight with his valet. Slap fight? Oh, slap fight! Like, I mean, like hold on. What do you mean by slap fight? Slap each other, right? It's right across the face. Yeah. What? <laughs> the valet would haul off and slap the president. Bap. You know, and of course, we're getting all nervous over this, you know. And so, hold on. So, I want to make sure that I have this right. So, President Nixon's daughter, Trisha. I think it was Trisha. Yeah, Patrick. The older one. Okay, the older of Nixon's daughters had the valet from the kitchen bring up a diet because she wanted her dad to be on a diet. And this guy, this valet, was what? what a, he was a, a Cuban. A Cuban guy? I okay. Don't, I don't recall his name now. Okay. He was a Cubano. Okay, so he would come up and he would have a slap fight. <laughs> oh, uh, they, they would slap fight. They would slap each other across the oh, face. Oh, kidding. I mean, put the dudes up like they're... Oh, okay. And go slap fighting each other. Oh, okay, gotcha. Right in front of a Secret Service guy, you know, <laughs> okay. and we're going, okay, wait, hold on here. <laughs> All <laughs> this right. This is the personal, the, the personal side of the president. Okay, that yeah. That you would see. Yeah. You know, the, maybe the fun side of him. Sure. You know, he's human like anyone else. Yeah. Okay. So, he, put, he puts his pants on one leg at a time as well. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. So anyway... So, uh, the first time it happened, Nixon comes out and says, uh, officer, he says, have you had breakfast? And I looked up at him. I said, no, sir. I I addressed him. I didn't address him as Mr. President so much as I would address him, no, sir, or yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Short words. Yeah. Um, short phrases. Yeah. Uh, You'd like, like, you know, anyway, I said, no, sir. Yeah. He says, you hungry? I says, well, I felt like saying that depends. And I says, well, he says, here, have some breakfast. And he gives you his, his breakfast. breakfast. 
Okay. Oh my gosh. Mush. Mush. I was raised on mush. <laughs> if I didn't eat all my mush in the morning, my mom would fry it for lunch for me. And he hands me this bowl of mush with the stuff in it and some wheat toast. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to have to eat this. Because <laughs> you don't want to turn down the president's meal. <laughs> You're not going to turn down the president. The president is feeding you his breakfast. <laughs> felt sorry for him. I thought, you're the president. You can have ham and eggs or anything you want. Yeah. You know? And then one day, the valet comes out. Okay. Officer. Yeah, well, him I would talk to in full sentences or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A little bit more of a less... Okay. Yeah. Cordial. Gotcha. And I said, I ain't had no lunch yet. Why are you asking? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I could talk to him. I wouldn't say talk that way to to the president. That to the president. Gotcha. And he says, here, eat it. It's his lunch. Okay. Wait, okay, so hold I, on. Was this in the same day? No. Oh, okay. Was, so uh, previously this about he would... This a week ha- later. This okay. about a week later. I thought it was when like the, one when day. When the valet comes out. Okay. I thought and, it was all uh, in the same day where and, you had the breakfast joke, and, and the lunch. Sometimes a valet would joke, joke with me in Spanish. Oh, okay. And I didn't understand a word he was saying. Uh, okay, okay. Okay. And uh, anyway, he says, here, here try this. You're going to have to eat it. Here, it's yours. In other words, it's yours whether you want it or not. Yeah. Okay. I went, oh, my gosh. Cottage cheese and pears for lunch? <laughs> Where's the bologna sandwich or whatever? Yeah. I thought, Where's the high quality? My, de- my poor president. <laughs> well, it turns, it turns out what was, yeah. what was happening was I think it was the oldest daughter. Okay. Okay. You forgive me. It's I'm 78 now. I'll, I'll look her up. It's been 49 years. <laughs> the older daughter. What was her name? All right. I'm I'm looking. It I up got right to now. know her pretty good. Okay. Uh, so there's Julie and Trisha, and Julie's the oldest. Uh, yeah. Julie. 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 Okay. Okay. I got him turned around. Okay. Yeah. Julie was the oldest. Patricia was the younger one. Patricia married Dead Cox. Or no, Patricia is the elder daughter. Patricia is the older daughter. And then Julie is, or yeah, and then Julie was the younger one. So Trisha, okay, so I had it so right. So hold on here, I have a picture for you. Not her. She was the younger one. Okay. That's she was the, young, okay. That's the younger one. Okay, okay, that's Trisha. Okay. That's Trisha. Yeah. Okay, then Julie is the older. Well, it says it here that Julie was the younger one. That's Julie. Yeah. She was the younger one? Yeah. Oh, well, I thought she was the older one. No, it was Julie. Yeah, okay. It was Julie. All right. Okay. And Julie was married to uh, uh, President Eisenhower's grandson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, David, David David Eisenhower. David Eisenhower. Okay. So, Julie, the younger of the two. Both I, very attractive women. Yeah. The reason why I was thinking she was the oldest because she was married and the older daughter wasn't. Oh, okay. She got married before her older sister. Yeah. She got married to Ed Cox uh, mm-hmm. later. So yeah. the, the uh, older sister got married second. And your grandma got very, very upset with me because I had an invitation to the Rose Garden and I could bring your grandma to the, to the wedding if I would work it. They said, if you work this, if you work the... Uh, Trisha's, Trisha's the older one, right? If you work her marriage, Ted Cox, mm-hmm. Marion Ed Cox, if you work this marriage, you, you, here's a ticket for your 
wife and she can she can hang out with the with yeah, the politicians and the hoity-toities and, out, and all out, that out in the rose garden yeah here's a ticket I, what do i want i don't like her oh she won one day she called me cow eyes trisha called you cow eyes yeah she called me cow, cow eyes and she was with goldwater's son so hold on she was so goldwater's son a uh, tour of the White House, and of course, I'm keeping my eye on this go- this this son because yeah. he's with the president's daughter, and I'm to take care of the president's daughter. She looks up at me and says, "Turn your cow eyes somewhere else." Turn your cow eyes somewhere else. Wow, what a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. And I, I didn't like her. <laughs> so here's the, I actually found a so here's a picture of um, Trisha and her father at her wedding. Yeah, yeah, and that was a wedding I didn't go to, and that was a wedding your grandma got really upset with me for not taking for not taking him up on oh, it. <laughs> your grandma, to the day that she passed away, never forgave me that for not <laughs> for not taking her to the rose that, garden. If, well, I would have to have worked it. <clears throat> so you want, were. You I didn't want to work her. It's my day off. <laughs> I'm not going to go in there on my day off to protect. Yeah. Her, when she's got plenty of protection there. She's in the Rose Garden. And yeah. All I'm going to do is just be another... And she called you cow eyes. Yeah, you don't want to protect me, her. She called me cow eyes. <laughs> she was, and she was with Goldwater's son when she did that. She was... I don't know if she was dating him or they were just friends uh, okay. or whatever. Yeah. You know. So, anyway. So, where are we? I'm Your grandpa's wandering off. Here. No, that's totally fine. So, um, back backing up. You were talking to Grandma about how you wanted to get a little bit more action, getting out of the White House. Okay. So we got this agent, and uh, we're watching. I'm gonna, oh, I forget. You you might want to fact check the name of the president's valet. Anyway, he was a Cuban. So all of a sudden, I noticed that this agent is talking to Nixon in Spanish. And it was after one of these little short... It's, it was just a little short slap fight type thing that Nixon had going with his valet. Manolo Sanchez? Manolo, Manolo Sanchez. You there know. you go. Yeah. yeah. Former longtime valet of Richard Nixon, That's known it. for his unfailing loyalty and fierce devo- devotion to the president. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Fierce devotion. I mean, they would slap fight. Chris, I'm not kidding. I mean, he, <laughs> he could slap the president and get away with it. <laughs> And one time he slapped him hard. I mean, it was a smack. It really, really hit him, huh? Yeah, he smacked him a good one. So I, I, I looked up his name, um, and here is a video on YouTube. It says, Nixon Valet orders breakfast, November 8th, 1972, with a transcription. Do you want to watch this video? Okay. All right, all right. Okay, hold on. Let me, let me turn this around. Are you going to see a picture of me in there? Maybe. Let's see if it'll pull up here. Now there, that's it. So, so Julie would tell the cook what to bring the president. Pause that. Yeah. Julie would tell. I mean, I mean, uh, Trisha, Trish would tell the younger, the younger one. So yeah. Would, would tell Julie. Would Julie would tell the cook what to send her dad. Yeah. For breakfast, and then her dad would give it to me, and then her dad would have 
Malel. Manolo. Manolo. Say, Manolo, go down and get me a decent breakfast. And there he is doing it. Hey, yeah. hey you want some eggs and you want some bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would sneak it up there after her dad gave me the and So hold on. So it sounds like <laughs> so it sounds like what was going on is that Nixon would tell his valet to give you his breakfast that Julie wanted him to eat to give the impression that he did eat his daughter's suggestion and then ordered his own breakfast anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that, that's 100%. This is the real on. scandal with this President is, this Nixon. Is, this is the this real. This is breakfast gate. This, this is mush gate. Is, this, is, this, is mush, <laughs> this is mush and cottage cheese gate because it went on with lunch too. So, oh, so that's I so cool. I feel sorry for the president. Oh, that's but he so didn't awesome. Want he, loved his, he loved his daughters. Yeah. Oh, he loved them very yeah. much. Yeah. And he didn't want I would have probably, I would have done the same thing if it was because your mom was okay dad you're gonna start getting healthy here mm-hmm. i'm gonna make you go out in the backyard fall down and start chewing out there in the rose garden or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. make a vegan out of you oh wow gotta sidestep this and not hurt her feelings yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway <clears throat> Man- 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 manolo manolo i'm gonna write that down yeah manolo myself. sanchez m-a-n-o-l-o sanchez Anyway, so Manolo was just uh, a real quick slap fight or something mm-hmm. in Spanish. And then I noticed that this agent addressed the president in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And the president replied, and this agent, it was the first time he was on, that I was on post with him. Yeah. And I noticed that he talked back to the president. The president and him both talk, talked to each other in Spanish. Okay. And it wasn't on that later on, this the same agent I was on post with him there at the president's office. Yeah. And uh, I said, where'd you, where'd you learn to speak Spanish? And he says, oh, I transferred from the Border Patrol over to the Secret Service. I was Border Patrol agent. I says, really? Well, I had already told him how bored I was and how I wanted to get out on the street. And he says, listen, hey, how old are you? And I told him, he says, you need to go where I come from. He says, I came here to get away from all that action. And this is Manolo, this is the agent. This, this is not is the Ma- agent. Not Manolo. Not Manolo. This okay. is the agent. All right. The agent that was speaking Spanish with President Nixon. Yeah. Gotcha. And he, and it was just short words. So mm-hmm. I don't know how fluent okay. Nixon It sounded like it was broken Spanish at uh, least. I don't know. At, at the very well, least. Well, let's put it this way. The agent who was Caucasian, mm-hmm. looked like a typical yeah. Caucasian, yep. mm-hmm. Anglo-American, you know, Anglo-Saxon American. Mm-hmm. But he was speaking pretty fluent Spanish. Okay, cool. As far as I could tell. Awesome. Uh, and then I later learned out that he definitely was. because he, So he tells me, he says, you need to go where I come from. And he says, and they're hiring. I says, really? Hmm. What's that? And so he starts telling me about the Border Patrol. He starts telling me these tales. I went, wow. That's where the action is. That's cowboy and Indian stuff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... So I tell this to Stella, so I start looking into it. Yeah. And I says, hey, I can do this. And now, uh, and I won't have to go through all this background because it's already done. I'm just basically making a transfer uh-huh. from the Treasury Department to the Justice Department. This was before Homeland Security. Yeah. So all I have to do is just transfer. Mm-hmm. And I'm a GS9, and I can transfer, and I'll be able to transfer to a GS9. And what's a GS9? Uh, grade scale. 
All right, I'm just going to look it up just for my own, yeah. just because I want to know what that what that means. Yeah, I still have to go through the academy and everything, but okay, okay. So you are just able to transfer. Yeah, you yeah, transfer just, your, your okay. You can transfer your your retirement, or you can cash your retirement out or something. But anyway, your time in service okay. and everything counts to your final. And I forget what all I did. Mm-hmm. So I go down to take the test. Yeah. Now I have no intentions on even trying to to cheat or anything else at this point. At this yeah. point, I'm very confident in my ability to to do what I need to do. I go in and take the test, but I knew that I, I know from government, especially law enforcement, that I'm going to have to get a 90, you know. On this test? On the test. And I feel pretty confident that I, that I got a 90. Mm-hmm. But the rough thing with the... Border Patrol exam was not the written exam, was the oral exam. And I, whoa, was not ready for that one. But anyway, so I take the written exam. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> oh, I love Vietnam. <laughs> I got an 88 or an 89. And you were able to use the Vietnam. I was able to use the Vietnam veteran to get up over a 90 again. <laughs> I wouldn't have got the 90 United States in the Secret Service. Yeah. But I got the, I got a 92 or 93 or 94. Okay. With those five extra points. Five points for me and the Vietnam vet. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Paid off again. (laughs) Paid off again. Downtown Freddie Brown. There we go. Three pointer from midcourt. Yep. (laughs) Downtown Freddie Brown. Yep. Okay. So, so, uh, so you're able to transfer to the Border Patrol. I'm able to, now I'm able to transfer to the Border Patrol. And so now all I'm doing is I'm having to go through. And the only thing that just really, I'm sorry, really pissed me off Mm -hmm. about having to transfer from the Secret Service to the Border Patrol. Mm -hmm. Here I am, Chris. Here I am next to the president on a daily basis. Yeah. Secretary of State, vice president, their wives, their children. Yeah. I had a little chipped tooth right here. Mm -hmm. Chipped tooth coming up this way. Mm -hmm. On on this this tooth here, on my right tooth. Chip tooth going up and just a little bit of a chip on the left side. Mm-hmm. The Border Patrol told me that I had to cap those two teeth before they would take me because of cosmetic looks. Wait, so they needed you to fix your teeth in order to be a good agent? Cosmetically. Cosmetically, because they were looking for a specific appearance, aesthetic look. Yeah, I guess you need that. For busting drug smugglers down on the Mexican border and, <laughs> and traffickers and human traffickers and stuff. I guess you needed that. Apparently. So I had you to go in. I had to go in. And the second counselor in the Bishop Brick was a dentist. And I went in and he fixed my teeth and he had to grind a little. Oh, what a. And now today, at 78 years old, mm-hmm. I don't have any front teeth because <laughs> of that. I'd have two very good front teeth right now if it wasn't for the Border Patrol saying, you got to look pretty to smile at these drug smugglers. <laughs> It's my little peeve at there my go. old age. Anyway, I had to put that on there. That's got to be part of my history. So okay, okay. So so I get into the, I get into the border patrol. Oh my gosh, shock and awe. Yeah, I thought I was going to breeze through this. I went through the Secret Service Academy. Did mm-hmm. great, you know, passed yeah. the exams and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm just going to fly through this thing yeah. with the Border Patrol. Big mistake. I got my ass kicked. Yeah. Okay, we get there. And uh, and 
my wife tells me, you know, your grandma was real good with me. Yeah. <laughs> I used to go home and tell her about all the temptations that were going on, you yeah. know, with agents having their hoorahs and stuff. You know. <laughs> and I was very open with your grandma about that. And she was okay. very understanding. And she, okay. she took, let's put it this way. Your grandma was a very strong neck that guided this head. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. And uh, she, she, she says to me, she says, you have to learn Spanish. I said, yeah, I'll learn Spanish. She says, you do not understand your English grammar. I says, well, I'm not have to worry about the English grammar. I'm going to be learning Spanish. Said, You're going to have to understand the foundations of grammar even if you learn Spanish. Okay. I says, ah. She says, listen. Now, these are your grandma's actual words. Okay. There isn't going to be a miniskirt on the Mexican border writing your reports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your, your yeah. Grandma. Also, I could pretty much quote your grandma's exact words on There's going to be a miniskirt. Because <laughs> I used to come home and tell her. I said, yeah. it's got a miniskirt this gal had on. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Right. I tell your grandma those things. I didn't yeah. keep any secrets from you. There you grandma. go. Okay. And very, very open. Good. We, we had a very good marriage because we sent us Very it. open line of communication. Yeah. That line of communication was not tapped. <laughs> What do you mean it was not tapped? Uh, it was just a joke referencing Nixon's phones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it was tapped, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so I get on the plane. So I go, I, I sign up, and I'm getting ready to go to the academy. The Border Patrol Academy. Border Patrol Academy. Okay. And, and how many kids did you have at this point? You had okay. the three, right? Okay. I had the three, and the day... Um, the day that I knew that I was accepted and they asked me if I wanted to go to El Paso or if I wanted to go to San Diego mm -hmm. to for your first two years had to be on the Mexican border at one of those two places in 1972 when I went in it had in May of 1972 you had to either be at El Paso or, mm -hmm. or San Diego the Tijuana San Diego or El Paso okay uh, uh, in Texas in Texas and your mom had given birth. Or my grandmother. Your grandma. Your, mm -hmm. mom, your grandma. I'm had sorry. given birth to my mom? Your mom. Okay. Oh, my gosh. There's, a, there's another tale. This has got to be on here. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're sitting on the bed. And your mom, your, your mom is locked in mm -hmm. on, on, on feeding I mean, yeah, being she's nursed. latched on. Okay, she's, she's latched nursed. on. Okay, yeah, being nursed. Uh -huh. I mean, and uh, and and we're still in the hospital. Mm -hmm. and I'm at the foot of the bed, and I said, "Well, I'm going to use the phone. I'm going to call Border Patrol right now because they told me, you know." So I called up the Border Patrol, and he says, "Yeah, you're you're ready to ship out here in about a week or two weeks." And you just had barely had a baby that day. That day. When we, we, here's when your academy starts, and I thought we just had a baby. And says, "Well, you're going to have to. We're, we're going to have to move you up to the next class. But if you want this class, you got to move with this schedule." Oh, okay. and I forget exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. So I wanted that class, and I yeah, and said, yeah. And mm -hmm. so what do you want? It means you called in, and I'm making up the list now. Do you want El Paso or do you want San Diego? Mm -hmm. Well, my mom happened to be living, and just 
on the southern end of Las Vegas at that time. Okay. And my stepdad, because he had a, a job, pl- plastering job, and I thought, well, it's going to be easier for us to access your family, my family, if we're on the west coast. I want to go. I want to get right on the coast. Okay. So, so we're going to San Diego. We're going to go to San Diego. So I say San Diego. So okay. So the arrangements are being made. So we do that. And I said okay. Well, about that time, they walk in with the paperwork for the birth certificate. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there with your grandma. Yeah. And we're going to name your mom Calistia. Calistia. But either I goofed up or your grandma goofed up and wrote it Calistia. So the correct spelling is C-A-L-I-S-T-I-A. Ask your mom. She got it all straightened out. Yeah, I know that that was and definitely so, a, a, oh. an issue. So instead of Calistia, C-A-L-I-S-T-I-A, you said C-O-L-I-S-T-I-A. It got written down. But you know something? When I look back, so I figured it was because I didn't spell well. Mm-hmm. So I took the blame for it for years yeah. on the Calistia, the Calistia, and realized that there was a mistake made there. Mm-hmm. And it was spelled so many different ways, Yeah, you know. But it should have been Calistia. Mm-hmm. Because my grandma was, her name was Calistia. Yeah. Uh, Ellis. Mm-hmm. Um, Horatz. Yeah. Jewish name. Yep. Maiden name was Horatz. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but your grandma, when she wrote, she had a habit of making her A's look like O's in mm-hmm. longhand. Yeah. So there was just a small little discrepancy, yeah, one little angle know, of a line. And to this day, I don't know if it was <clears throat> me, but your mom was filling out the paperwork. Your your grandma, mm-hmm. your grandma always filled out the paperwork. I yeah. didn't because of my spelling. Mm-hmm. And so she was filling out the paperwork. Now whether I told her to spell it C O or C A or C A, that I don't detail's know. kind of lost the on you. The point is that she wrote it out, and the O got put on the birth certificate. Mm-hmm. So we got that straight it's on the air. It's <laughs> Finally, and, you, and only no, and just be for interested in that is going to be my posterity, and <laughs> not who's ever listening from Romania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hello from Romania. Okay. So anyway, I get out and I head for. Uh, I go down and I get introduced to the border patrol. And you, you guys moved to San Diego. You, well, no. Uh, oh, this is before we you did, guys... We did. Okay. I, I moved Stella into San Diego and everything, and I'm okay. getting ready to get on a plane, and I got her a little place. We Eventually, we moved to while I was in the academy, mm-hmm. and I'm getting back on the plane, and I'm heading out. To and go so, to San Diego? To go to, no, Arlington, Texas, to the U.S. Border Patrol Academy, which at that gotcha. time was out in the deserts in Arlington, Texas. Okay. Just close to Brownsville. So, Grandma... Close to Brownsville, Texas. Is right on the border. Arlington, it's H A R. Harlington. H, H before the Arlington. Okay. okay. Harlington. Harlington. Uh, for the Border Patrol Academy, I'm getting, I'm getting, getting on the plane there in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And your grandma's there. And she puts this little slip of paper in my shirt pocket and kisses mm-hmm. me. And yeah. she did the same thing when I went to the Secret Service. And it was to be opened when I got on there. And it was an encouragement note. I love you. You can do this. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, that was your grandma. That's so awesome. Okay. So I'm thinking this is the same thing. Yeah. It's 
Because that note, the, 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 the you can do you. this, I love you, you can do this, was the one that you got for the Secret Service Academy. Yeah. And so you're assuming that this it's next note is the same, th- same kind of thing. thing. Gotcha, gotcha. So I get on the plane, and I sit down, and I'm taking off, and I thought, okay, now, let's see. Well, let's see what it is. Read the love letter. Mm-hmm. What? A verb is. <laughs> a preposition is. A subjective clause is. <laughs> so Grandma was giving you her- Grandma. <laughs> Your grandma's giving me an English lesson because she told me, you're not going to have no minis. No, <laughs> no miniskirts writing your reports no, for you. No miniskirts going to be writing your reports for you. You're going to have to write your own. <laughs> and you're going to have to write in Spanish. You know, yeah, you a verb know, is. A preposition is. Yeah. So for, for, in, in all honesty, though, that is, that is true. That, that's a true love note. That's a true love note. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> at the end, she says, you can do this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. I get to the academy. Oh, cool. I get to the academy. I got to the academy on a Saturday. Sunday, I go out, and I got a picture of it. And I'm saying, what is this desert like? And I walk out into the desert, and I yeah. run into a tortoise, and I run into a rattlesnake looking at the tortoise. And I walk up kind of close and that rattlesnake you know kind of struck out at me so i thought oh get out of here so he was threatening rattling at you oh yeah i yeah, was yeah. in his space of mm-hmm. course that's what yeah. they're going to do at survival so mm-hmm. i i walk away well, wait a minute one of my partners border patrol guys they could be walking out here and they can get hit i'm gonna get a stick and i'm gonna you're gonna kill this snake i'm gonna kill this snake okay i'd First rattlesnake I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So, I get a stick. Yeah. I walk back, and all of a sudden, the rattlesnake had been following me. It's so, following you. Yeah. In other words, this rattlesnake, I think, was hungry. Yeah. And it was sizing that tortoise up and couldn't do it. I think he was just following my scent or whatever Something. reason. Okay. And I now I saw how long he was, and I thought, I need a bigger stick. <laughs> <laughs> so, how big was this rattlesnake? It turned out... I'm six foot, and I've got a picture of me holding it like this with its rattle over it, and so it had to be about seven feet. So it was about a seven-foot-long rattlesnake. Yeah, because I'm holding Holy it like this. Holy cow, that's a massive rattlesnake. And the head's on the ground. Wow. i got a picture of it. Yeah, yeah. we'll have to look it up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's in, it's Maybe in I'll, the album. Do you mind if I post that picture on, on my website? Is that okay? Yeah, I'll have yeah. to find it because okay. it's cut in half. It's just a side picture oh. because your grandma did something with okay. it. Okay, all right. So, so <laughs> well, I got a bigger stick. Yeah. And I killed the rattlesnake. Yeah. And I brought it in, and and uh, you had a lot of you had a lot of um, Hispanic speaking. And we call, they call themselves Mexican Americans. Okay. Uh, Texas Americans or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. Mex-Tex, they had, that they, that they referred to themselves as, and, mm-hmm. and very good, and they're very good agents. Yeah. Excellent agents, and there's quite a few of them. I'd say about a third of the Border Patrol was made up of... Uh, Mexican-Americans. Mexican-Americans. Okay. At that time. A good, a strong third. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they saw it. They knew yeah. exactly what to do with it. Oh, they skinned that thing out and barbecued it. They ate the snake. Oh, yeah, they barbecued it that Sunday afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> they, they barbecued that snake up and skinned it out and barbecued how, it. How does rattlesnake taste? Uh, like white chicken. Like chicken. Only more tender. 
Ten know? more. It's a more tender chicken. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Wasn't bad. I tasted. I just tasted a little bit of it. Yeah. I kept the rattlers. Oh, cool. You know? Yeah. Nice. For years. And anyway, so there was my opening. I go into the border patrol, and then on Monday morning, I go into class, and the first half of your class is on immigration law, and the second half is on Spanish. And you've signed an agreement that you are going to have a working knowledge of Spanish within within five months and a, and a semi-fluent knowledge of Spanish within ten months, or you're going home. So you had these markers that you had to hit language-wise. You had to hit these markers language-wise. And they gave you a language test. I believe we had a language test mm-hmm. uh, along with the regular tests. Okay. Adaptability. And anyway, I passed it. But So I had the adapt- obviously I had the adaptability to do it. But I didn't have the problem I had with learning Spanish is that I could learn to speak it probably, but I couldn't learn to write it because I didn't know how to form a sentence correctly. Writing it. Yeah, okay. a pronoun is, a noun yeah, yeah. is. I couldn't break down these sentences. Yeah. Anyway, so I go into the classroom, mm-hmm. and in walks this instructor. Mm-hmm. Jose Roberto Armendariz um, Gutierrez. Okay. Armendariz Gutierrez, and he writes this thing across the board. Jose Rodriguez, I mean, Gutierrez. And he says, you will know my name by tomorrow morning or you're going to get your ass kicked. <laughs> Something like that. Something. I mean, it was, I don't that that was, was the message that you took away. It, it was a message I took away. My ass is going to get kicked if I'm yeah. not this name. Okay, yeah. And then I'm going to have to write this name. I'm sitting there thinking, what planet did this guy come up with? <laughs> with a name never, like that? With a name... Armandaris Gutierrez? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where did this come from? Yeah, yeah. Jose, I don't, I know Jose. Yeah. Rodriguez, I know, but Armandaris Gutierrez? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, thank goodness, thank goodness for having a third of the academy very strong in the uh, Hispanic language because okay. they, yeah. they they helped us out. We'd yeah. get together with them and they'd say, Okay, here's how you here's how you dissect that name. Here's how you can do it. Mm-hmm. And we'd go to them and we would And they would help you guys out. Oh yeah, they'd help out. We helped each other out. We yeah. had each other's back. I love the Border Patrol for that. It was mm-hmm. very strong for that. Sweet. And and they put me in a special class to learn English grammar because <laughs> they realized. So here was a bunch of us. We didn't, and and I, every one of us could sit there and say we all had a GED. Yeah, because, because we uh, we had to go to a special English grammar class. Yeah, to learn English grammar so that we could learn Spanish grammar. Yeah, and so I learned English. Oh, English cool! Grammar. And I got at this point. I'm going to back up to uh, the Secret Service. Okay. And I get a phone call before I have a full year, and they call me up and they say, uh, Officer Williams, now we're back in the Secret Service. Okay. I'm on post. This is before I get the President's Hideaway office. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's before I have a full year in. Mm-hmm. You're a rookie. You're I'm a greenhorn. I'm still a greenhorn. And it says, uh, Officer Williams, you need to bring in your certification of your GED. Uh, it got overlooked in your background. And no problem, just bring in this because, because it has to be certified. Mm-hmm. Like notarized and all that. Oh, what the hell's going on here? It's in a box somewhere that I don't know where it's at. I don't know what it is. I thought yeah. I gave him everything. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I said, I don't have it. I don't know where it is. Well, you've got to have it. 
and you've only got about a month to do it because you've got to have this before you have your first year in. Oh. And I'm down, I've been in for about 10 months now. Yeah. When they caught it. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have to take it again. You're going to have to do something. We've got to have a certified GED or you got to go. Before your year in the Secret Service is yeah, up. I mean, it's, we, I only had about two two months. To, to get it figured it. out. Okay. Panic mode. Yeah. Back to being a hot carrier. Mm-hmm. So, well, no problem. I go, I got in the military, go to the military. Well, I, I they couldn't do anything. I don't know what it was. They sent me, well, go to the state that you were a resident of. Okay, go to Oregon. Oh, no, you're not a resident of Oregon now. Go to Washington. You're not a resident of Oregon. We can't certify oh, yeah. anything. you got to take it. Maryland. I was just all over. Well, I was living in the state of Virginia. Went to the Virginia board, and they kept giving me this go-around. I says, well, you can't certify this, and I'm taking what I had. Yeah. I said, well, no, we cannot certify that. It's already been certified, and you have had a certified copy attached to this. Where is it? And then I'm realizing I, well, I could have thrown away. I don't know where it's at. Yeah. Now, you have to understand, I cheated to get that. GED. Yeah. And I'm a religious man. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, at that time, I was a double lollipop Mormon. Double lollipop. Double lollipop Mormon. <laughs> a good Mormon. Yeah. And uh, said my prayers just like I do now. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to I got to take the exam. Yeah. He says, well, you've got to go through these classes for so many months and everything else. I said, the year will be up and I'll be gone. Mm-hmm. Nothing we can do. I thought, well, I got to do something. This is in my book. So I thought, I'm going to do something you're not supposed to do. But it's it's crunch time. Yeah. My family, I am not going to lose this. Yeah. So I walked in. I remember that day. I walked in like I owned the place. Confident. Confident. Because I couldn't get past the secretary. Yeah. She was hard-nosed secretary. And I needed to, I knew I had to go. The only person that could change this would be the director of the school board. Yeah. So now, where is this exactly again? In Virginia. Virginia. Virginia okay. Virginia State School Board. I mean, it was, wasn't just the high school. I mean, Oh, the, the Virginia Department level. of Education. The Virginia Department of Education. Okay. I went there. Gotcha. Walked in, walked up to the stage. I pulled out my Secret Service credentials, put them on the table, and says, I need to talk to the director now. <laughs> You used your Secret Service creds to just get your GED figured out. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, we had this big fancy thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the badge, the seal of the president, uh-huh. and the U.S. Secret Service. And I pulled that out. I put that in there. Yeah. Yes, sir. There you go. Next thing you know. I sit down. And I'm did. I wasn't sitting down for more than five, maybe ten minutes before you got things straightened out. Well, I didn't get him straightened out. I go in, I see the director, mm-hmm. and I'm just totally honest with him. Yep. Okay. I says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I did this. I says, but I'm in a desperate situation. Mm-hmm. I says, I can't find my certification. I didn't tell him I cheated. I says, I yeah. can't find my certification yeah. of my military. And I showed him my paperwork. Yeah. I says, it got lost, got something. He says, well, you can take it again. I says, yeah, but I don't have three months to go through and study it. Yeah. He says, are you confident that you could pass it? I said, yes. He said, well, I'll just push you up. We'll, we'll bypass it. I can do that for you. <laughs> Boom. So, so, there so, you go. So we'll bypass you having to go through all these classes. You know? Okay. Because 
obviously you've already done it for the military, right? I said, yeah. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, so yeah. fine. Yeah, okay. I did. Yeah, I promise. Okay, yeah. Well, next week we're having the exams. Yeah. And that'll be plenty of time. So I took it, went in the next week, took the exams, yeah. passed it. You're going to see in there. Yeah. You can see, you can see it in my book. Yeah. Hang on. Hang on a minute. Yeah, gonna, your book's right there on the counter. I got to show you. I'm so proud. I was so proud of this. I mean. <laughs> All right. We'll put a link. Do you mind if we put a link to buying your book in the description well, for sure, this episode? Sure, oh, sure. cool. Awesome. Uh, Grandpa wrote a book. All right, let's see it. So this is in uh, From Illiteracy to the White House. Uh, after what? regaining, do you mind if I read it really quick? Is that okay? Yeah. So after regaining my composure, this is you talking, obviously, I was transferred to another person and told that I would have to retake the GED exam under the direction of the Virginia State Department of Education to receive a certified GED. The receptionist explained that in a couple months they would present a series of classes, all that stuff, and then... Here it is in the book, a picture uh, of your general education development Commonwealth of Virginia certificate certified as award to Rodney F. Williams, who has made acceptable scores in the comprehensive and improved battery of standardized tests of general education or development in the following high school subject fields, English literature, math. Okay. All right. There it is. What's the date? The date is uh, 19, let's see, the fourth day of March, 1971. <laughs> That's when I <laughs> there we go. graduated. There you go. Military. Now, if you'd have kept on reading, you would have said, uh, uh, yeah, I explained that I didn't have a couple months. And she said that it wasn't mandatory to take the classes, but if I would be helpful if I did. Yeah. Okay. And I waived the classes and made arrangements for my day. There you go. I didn't have to, but it'd be good if I did because... Mm-hmm. Basically, so I already took the classes. Yeah, you already did it. Yep. In okay. the military. Yep. So, got cool. There you go. Officially got my JD, and this time I didn't cheat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I cheated on the first one. So, so karma hit me, and I and I come out on top. Okay. So okay. now we're back. So to we the have that patrol. context of of getting your GED, getting everything yeah. back. Yeah. You're now back in the border patrol. Yeah. You're and in now Arlington. I'm sitting there, and I am having to learn a foreign language. All right. And so uh, it was tough. Yeah. Because I did not have the learning skills that these other Border Patrol agents had. Sure. Uh, I'd say just about all of us had had previous that came in. Again, we were all Vietnam vets. Mm-hmm. This is interesting at that era. Yeah. All the federal law enforcement were Vietnam vets. Yeah. Just about all of us were. I don't. We were either ex cops or Vietnam, ex MPs. Ex military. But everybody was essentially Vietnam vets. I don't know any that weren't. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Got a lot of helicopter pi- pilots in there and everything mm-hmm. else. Anyway, so so I learned Spanish, mm-hmm. and I learned the grammar. I go through. I go up to go through my five month exam. You're, you're basically like, this test is to say, I, I, I how good are the, you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get through the academy, do great, I'm excellent shot with uh, mm-hmm. the pistol and all that stuff, just like it did in the Border Patrol. I got chewed out a little bit because in, in the Secret Service, we were, never, we were never trained to stand behind a, a cover. 
yeah. to shoot. We were trained to be out there to make a target of ourselves to take the bullet for the president. Mm-hmm. And so I remember the range master telling me, you're not going to sa- survive two weeks out there on that desert <laughs> walking towards your target. Yeah. <laughs> like, here I am, shoot me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I learned, I got through all of that. And uh, I get assigned to San Diego uh-huh. as a Border Patrol agent. And it's just, I could tell you the different stories and whatnot, but the stories I could tell you now are nothing compared to what they're doing nowadays. It's yeah. different Border Patrol now. We were, it was cowboys. We were a bunch of cowboys. Uh, yeah, I, I want to know, I want to know those stories. I mean, I know it's different now, just because the world is different and, and times have changed. But um, those... When I went, okay, when I went through the five and a half month exam, this is important yeah. for me to get sure. across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go in to go through the five and a half month exam on my Spanish. And what they would do, they would, the person on the other end would say to you in Spanish. Okay. And then you would write it down in English. Oh, Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so you'd have to write it down in English. And then he'd say something to you. He'd say that in Spanish. So you had to write down the English translation of what he said in Spanish. Yeah. Okay. And then he would say something in English. You had to write it down in Spanish. And you'd have to write it down in Spanish. Okay. That's the way they're given the exams. Mm -hmm. The exam. Well, when it all got done, I'm sweating bullets because you've got to pass this exam. No exceptions. As a matter of fact, they would use this exam to wash those out that they felt weren't going to make it. Yeah. And a lot of them got washed out. Mm-hmm. A lot of Border Patrol agents were washed out on that five-and-a-half-month exam. Yeah. Well, when they got my exam, they says, you actually did very well. says, but we're curious. You didn't misspell one single Spanish word. But Agent Williams, you... You can't spell an English word. <laughs> you need to go take. You need to go take lessons on <laughs> how to on spell, spell in your English. In your English, you need your to brush Spanish, up on your. <laughs> your Spanish is perfect. I could write in Spanish better than I could in English because <laughs> I went through a Spanish grammar yeah. school. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah, that class. So that was kind of comical. And oh, nice. And well, it came back to it came back to haunt me a little bit because my report writing was bad and. And Marshal Melos, uh, uh, a watch commander that t- kind of took a special interest in me, and he says, uh, he says, Rod, listen, he says, you are an excellent agent. You do things good. Your reports are good. They're accurate. But your punctuation and your spelling is horrible. <laughs> and that's going to keep you from advancing to a supervisory position. Yeah, and yeah, a- yeah. Eventually, right now, it isn't. But when you start getting up to a GS-11, GS-12, yeah, you're going to have to be able to file reports and everything else. And so, I've met your wife. Why don't you have her take your work? Why don't you go write a book and have your wife correct it? And I thought, good idea. <laughs> you know, well, so I go out and I write a Bigfoot book. A Bigfoot book. Yeah, I wrote a Bigfoot book. Yeah, yeah. I did. So I wrote a book on Bigfoot. Anyway, still didn't do it. My, my writing was still bad and everything, but eventually I left and went into my own business. But anyway, um, okay, here's, there's a lot of, one thing that helped me with my Spanish, I used to, I used to get an old man and uh, I, would, I would go to the uh, detention area mm-hmm. and 
I would pick up a, a pack of cigarettes. Okay. And I'd go get a Coca-Cola, even though I didn't drink Coca-Cola, and I'd go get some old farmer. Okay. And I'd pick him, I'd put him in my car, and I'd drive out in the desert. And I'd give him cigarettes to smoke. and Give him and, his Coca-Cola? And I'd buy a hamburger for him. Okay. And then I'd say, I'd point over at this, and I'd say, Como se dice eso? What is this? Or how do what you say this? How do you say this? Como se dice eso? Y eso también. Como se dice eso? Como se, como se dice eso? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you grabbed an old farmer guy to help oh, yeah. <laughs> to help you learn how to yeah. speak Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> but what I was learning was good old campesino Spanish. Yeah. Campesino Spanish to know that, that uh, the average, the, the Spaniard from Spain wouldn't even begin to understand. Yeah, yeah. Like... Uh, Aquí está, aquí está los pollos, y los pollos está como el pollero, y el pollero y, y transferir los, los pollos por el coyote para brincar la frontera a la brava. It has something to do with chicken. That's all I picked up. Yeah. <laughs> the chicken herder takes his chickens to the coyote to throw across the border the brave way. Ah, okay. Now, nobody from yeah. going to understand that. One time we're in court. <laughs> one time we're in court and we had this witness we had to pick up from the border and take, take to the courtroom. Yeah. Because it was a, a kidnapping case and he had been kidnapped by some frustrated American citizens. Okay. That were just taking it all in their hands, and you can understand why they were doing it. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't know. Somebody decided they're going to prosecute these American citizen, this American citizen that did this. Okay. Because he didn't have any authority to. So these. So hold on. So these. uh, These American citizens got frustrated at at what exactly? Well, the illegal aliens are flooding across the border. Okay, and And so they decided to kidnap one of the people who were coming across. They decided to arrest one. Like a citizen's arrest. Type of yeah, thing. type oh, of thing. Like okay. That. And All so, right. and so now, All so right. now, the, somebody decided to prosecute him for kidnapping. Okay. This uh, illegal alien. Okay. And so he's having to come in. So what he was doing, we would take him across the border, and made him stay in Mexico. But he'd show up at the border, and then we would parole him in. Escort. And so we'd escort him to the courthouse mm-hmm. for this case against this American citizen. Okay. I don't remember. I can't tell you how it turned out. Sure. But we were just doing our job. Yeah. So you're in court. This guy's there. So this this young campesino, mm-hmm. uneducated, never been to school. Okay. Signs his name's Agasu Krusaki. Yeah. You know, put your mark here. Yeah. Your cruiser and your cross. Yeah. Tumaka. And uh, and he's up on the land, and they and the translator at that time was Castilian Spanish from, and she was from Spain and trained in Spain and everything. She spoke English, but she went through school. And so she was speaking Spanish Spanish, not Campesino Spanish. That's right. All right, different dialect. Yeah. A little so bit of a different language. Yeah. Translating. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the attorney would sit there and ask this young man a question. He would say it in... And, and, and he, would, he was saying it in English. And the court translator would translate it into Spanish. So, so the witness he, could understand. So the witness could understand it. No comprende. Lo siento, pero no comprende. I'm sorry, I don't understand. I'm sorry, I don't understand you. Yeah. 
So she'd do it again. Lo siento, pero... And he's going like this, up on the stand up. So I don't know what you're saying short. to me. No, no comprende ninguna palabra que tú dices. He's using familiar, tú dices, you know. Yeah. And I'm going, oh my gosh, you're dealing with an illiterate farmer here. Yeah. We understood him, Border Patrolman. Yeah. And there is this uh, black agent that spoke fluent Spanish. Yeah. And he's really good in, in, in the campesino Spanish. Mm-hmm. You know, smart, good agent. Um, so the judge looks down there, and there's three of us in the courtroom. Three of us Border Patrol agents in the courtroom. And the, you're the ones that took him from the border to this courthouse. Yeah. You're his escort services. You're actually. his escort services. Okay. And then we take him back, and there's three of us. Yeah. For some reason, they had, I remember there's three of us. Okay. And uh, we had nothing to do with arresting him because of the citizen. Sure. So the, the judge is looking at you guys. You're in the back. We're in the back. So the judge says, you guys speak Spanish? says, yeah. Do you... Do you, underst- do you understand what she is saying? And Black Hawk says, well, who is very intelligent in the Spanish, he says, well, she's speaking Castilian, and he's a farmer, and he's illit- an illiterate farmer, and he doesn't understand it. Yeah. Would he understand you? says, oh, I think he would. Yeah. So the guy goes up there mm-hmm. and becomes a court translator. And he understood him perfectly. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so we had to use the Border Patrol as, <laughs> as a translator. As a translator. <laughs> instead, instead of the actual. Instead of the actual college graduate certified <laughs> Spanish instructor, yeah. interpreter. There you go. <laughs> wow. Because you're speaking the uh, the Texan border campesino Spanish. Yeah. The, we, the, call it, we call it campesino. I call it campesino. And a lot of the other agents, it's, I don't know what they do now. What it's specifically called. But in called. 1970, we call it the campesino Spanish. Okay. And a lot of us did. Okay. You know, so so we had that one time I was in court and they they challenged me that because I was new that and and it was I I had busted these two guys with with drugs and uh, they're putting up a defense and part of the defense was that uh, they couldn't understand my Spanish and they were that's what their defense was yeah and they were claiming that they were illegal aliens and they were bringing this marijuana across and they couldn't understand their Miranda rights. Oh. Because this agent didn't know how to speak Spanish correctly, so I never got my... Mirandas. My, my Mirandas correctly. Ah, okay. So I had to go on the... On the stand? On the stand. Yeah. Well, kind of stupid on their part, because the one thing that they drummed into us that we knew and we could rattle it off like we were a native speaker was Is the Miranda, Miranda rights. Warning. Yeah. Right. We knew that by heart. Yeah. We could wrap that thing out like it was nothing. Can you give me my Mirandas in Spanish? I don't know, something like that. <laughs> you know. it's, it's been lost on you for since then? Yeah, okay. it's been 48 years. That's fine. Anyway, That's fine. <laughs> anyway uh, so I get up there and I just wrap that thing off. Yep. And I was feeling so good about myself, I even wrapped off a few other words. <laughs> just showing, like, I know this uh, word in Spanish. Yeah. I know this so, word in Spanish. So I won that. They couldn't use that against me. Yeah. Well, it turns out that these two guys that were smuggling that, the reason why they were doing it, they were uh, in medical school, in Los Angeles Medical School, and they decided to go over and get themselves a little free weed and <laughs> smuggle it across. And so then when they, I catch them, and they're Mexican-American. Okay. Doctors. Mexican-American doctors went well, Americans. They're American citizens. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to school 
In L.A. In L.A. <laughs> to go get some free weed and in Mexico. And so they decided to go down to Mexico and get some free weed and smuggle across rather than have to pay the high price that it was here. <laughs> and I catch them. <laughs> so they tried to pass off as an illegal alien thinking they'd just get VR, voluntary return, right back into Mexico. And then they could come back across yeah. legally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up getting, uh, I think they got uh, three years and then... Uh, and then after six months, they got put out on two-year probation. Or okay, something like okay. That. So yeah. they only served six months. Okay, of a three-year sentence. Anyway, so so there was that. Uh, so w- here's a question: What is? I know there's a ton of stories that you have from the Border Patrol, but what is what? When I say this question, what comes out in your mind? What is the most memorable thing that you did while you were in the Border Patrol? Two. Yeah, two, two things. things. All right, two I want to hear those two stories. Okay. It was on Hollister and Monument Way. And Monument Way is a street that goes going out towards the beach. This is in San Diego? San Diego. And you okay. had what you call Dead Man's Canyon, and it come down. And they cross Monument Way, and they go into this big field, about 20 acres or something, and cross that field, and I think it was Hollister. And so I was parked there with a sedan, and I had the old uh, vintage... Uh, Vietnam night vision scope. It was a big, heavy thing. Mm-hmm. And you had a little handle, and you clip it on. It's not like what they have today. Goggles, the the goggles and all this that. Was, yeah. This was big. It was heavy. Yeah. It was cumbersome. Mm-hmm. And you'd put it up, and you'd click up on this and this green light, and you had to be careful because it would blind you in the eye that you're looking at. So you'd look out. I would look out it with my right eye, keep my left eye closed so that I would have my night vision in that left eye in my left eye because this would just knock the hell out of your night vision so so they and it would hum when you turned it on your battery would mm-hmm. and you'd hear this hum okay and you'd see a green light yeah of course coming out yeah and then you had this big open scope like this and so I would count these illegal aliens coming across the border and then I would radio in on my I, I didn't have a radio on my side because I was assigned to uh, a sedan, and I'd radio in. This is on your car radio. Yeah, and I and yeah, on my car radio, and I'd ra- uh, basically I would, report how many you see. Yeah. Okay. And then at the end, there would be <clears throat> there would be a supervisor with a crew, and we had a bus, and we would, and then they would catch them and they would put them in the bus and load the bus up and take it out. We were catching. A lot every yeah. night. Yeah. And so I and so then they call in and say, Williams, the bus is full, agent. Yeah. Uh, lock up and, and meet us up, you know, at the intersection of Hollister or something like that. Come yeah. over to the bus and help us get these guys written up and transported. So I I, I just Googled really quick a night vision scope. Is that the thing that you yeah, use? Oh, that's the oh my gosh. Yes. That's the look thing that, that you use? Look at that big cumbersome thing. Oh wow. Look now, at that. Yeah. Now, let me tell you what I did with that that night. So I tucked that under my arm. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. An a- ANVS or ANTVS-2B Starlight Night Vision Scope. It's an old one. Yeah. That's an oldie Vietnam, Vietnam era. It's a six pounds. Yeah. Six pounds. That's heavy. Anyway, you so. Can, you can defend yourself with that if you needed to. Well, I did. Wait, this is the story? Yeah, this is the story. <laughs> oh, all right. I use that night vision scope. Okay, so you tuck it under mind. your arm. You tuck it under your arm. I tuck it under my arm. Okay. I. So what I did, as I go in, I get a stocking cap. I take my 
Border Patrol cap off, put it in the back seat of the car, uh-huh. put this um, stocking cap on. Yeah. I grabbed this serape, which is just a blanket with a hole in it at your shoulders that mm-hmm. hangs down. Yep. And a, a Clint Eastwood, good and bad and the ugly type yeah, of. Yeah, and with a little belt on it and everything. And yep. I take my I take my river belt with my 357 Magnum, which had the Jordan quick draw holster on it. Okay. Which was a mistake. And this is a, this is a, I, I've got one. I should show it to you. And it's a, it, it was the old Jordan quick draw holster. And you come down and you could. Yeah, you just and pick it back and, up. Yeah. And it was intimidating as hell to look at because here you had this 357 Mag mm-hmm. um, hanging on the side on it. And uh, now it wasn't, it wasn't a, it was not a, uh, it was a modified 357 so that uh, we would, we would do all of our range shooting with a 38. 357, you can shoot 38 or 357. Yeah. This is a modified, I think it was a Model 66 or something like that. Okay. Border Patrol Special. Okay. Okay. And uh, so it wasn't heavy frame, but it wasn't really light frame. It was special made kind of in between. Anyway, okay. it was intimidating to look at because it's hanging off your... Yeah, at an angle. Belt. It's very an angle. It's very Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and so I rolled that around to the back so I wouldn't skylight with it. Yeah. Skylight meaning what exactly? Skylight is when you uh, are on a ridge or something, they look up and they could see you, and then you're skylighted. And you're, oh, you're silhouetted and you're silhouetted they can and see you. Okay, and gotcha. So I didn't want them to see that because I'm going to pass off as an illegal alien, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go out and I'm going to bust these guys. Okay. And I'm going to, and because I'm told to show up. And so I'm going to show up with these guys. Yeah. To the supervisor. Man, I make a few points here. Mm-hmm. So I tucked the, the night vision scope. Night vision scope under my right arm. I've swung that build over. I got this serape on. I go out there. So for some quick description, just so people, because this is an audio only format, I don't have a YouTube thing going on. Yeah. So this thing is six pounds. It's probably maybe a foot and a half. Long, mm-hmm. and then maybe about what would you least. say, like four inches yeah. in diameter. Yeah, at okay. least. Yeah. So this thing's hefty. Yeah. Okay. And I think the one I had was even heavier than that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> the way they weren't light. Yeah. So, so I you, had you. You turn your belt around your 357s mags, and I have to climb through a barbed wire fence to okay. get out into the field. All right. When I climb through that barbed wire fence, without me knowing it, because that holster. Hooked out like that. Yeah. It hooked my 357 and pulled it out of my holster. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because of your Jordan quick draw holster. Yeah. And okay. I was, now, a lot of Border Patrol agents carried a second. Yeah. You didn't carry a second at that time? I didn't carry a second at that time. I did yeah. afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Learned your so, lesson. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I walk out there not knowing that I didn't have a gun. And I go out there, and I think there was six or seven of them. Don't remember the exact. And, I, and they're all males. Okay. And I, I go out there, and I get in behind them, and it's about far as from me, I'd say 30 feet away, I manage to catch up to where I'm within about 30 feet of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 30 feet. And then I do this, you know, and I grab my knee, and I'm telling wait, wait, wait for me, wait for me, my knee, my knee. And so you're telling them that you, like, you yeah. wanted to be a part of their company, and yeah, they're like... Yeah, I'm... I'm I got lost from the group. <laughs> and you're and saying, oh, wait, hold on, wait up. I, wait I up. hurt my knee. Yeah, and I, I can pay you. I can pay you. Just help me out. I can pay you. And I'm telling them this. Yeah. So they all stop. I catch up to them. I got a bunch of bajadores here. Now, bajadores is like 
like MS-13. It's like your Antifa burning <laughs> up okay. and crashing through windows in Portland and yeah, Seattle. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and I thought, what in the hell? And, and I'm looking at him. And I said, soy la migra, lo siento. And I reach around to get my gun, and I got an empty holster. <laughs> you know, I switch this to my left, and I reach around with my right hand, and I got an empty holster. And I just identified myself, and I thought, what in the hell am I going to do now? So you just I, identified yourself as a Border Patrol yeah, agent? So, soy la migra. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm the Border Patrol. We'd say migra. Okay. We didn't say la patrulla de Estados Unidos. We yeah, said yeah, yeah, yeah. la migra was a slang word. Soy la migra. I am. Border, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and they're looking at me. And I'm right in the middle of them. They're kind of surrounding me, and I'm looking, and I'm realizing, <laughs> and I'm reaching around, and I got an empty holster, and they realize I'm unarmed. And I thought, shit. And they're bajadores. Yeah. Bajadores had slit in the throat of a Border Patrol agent years, years before. Yeah, so these are, these are no, no slouch. No. Okay. no. Uh, well, today, you can go to Los Angeles, and they're protected under the... Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so... Yeah. I mean, sure, sure. So you're, this is obviously a different time. So you are, you're, you're getting surrounded by these, these guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I take, so I take the meanest looking one there and I, I take this foot put, and I turned it on to where it buzz. Mm. And I turn, yeah. I turn the big part behind me under the arm and I turn the eyepiece with the green light in front of me mm -hmm. and I just kick the meanest one I saw there I kicked him as hard as I could. Cause yeah. they're all, I told him to all get down. So they were still down and I walked over. I'll whack him. I'm whacking him as hard as I could. Okay. <laughs> and he kind of fell over and then I shoved that right in his face and I told him it was a new weapon <laughs> and I was going to zap his brains out. And then I reached up and I pointed it to everybody there. It's a new weapon. Yeah. And they see the green light. <laughs> And they stayed down. Yeah. And you, you claimed that it was this newfangled weapon? Yeah. It was just a night vision scope? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. And then from there, because I knew they were Bajadores and I knew they had knives on them and everything, I had them take their shoes off first. Okay. And then I had them take their pants off. Okay. And then I had them stack the pants here. Yeah. And then I had them put their shoes back on, and then I picked their pants up in my left hand, and just kind of like this. Yeah. To drag in that, and it was kind of heavy. I remember it was heavy, and I pointed that at them, so now I got them in their skivvies. Yeah. Yeah, they're all wearing underwear, by the way. Okay, that's good. You know? Yeah. All right. Anyway, and then I marched them in, pointing my... Your night vision scope at them. My night vision scope, and they couldn't, they weren't going to run without their pants. Yeah. With all that cactus and everything. Yeah, yeah. Marched them in, and... When I walked, when I walked into the group, the the supervisor looks at me and Williams. So hey, <laughs> hell, are you doing? So he's got the you have you have six guys in this their underwear, something. and you're following them with the night vision scope pointed the wrong way. Now, as far as having <laughs> their pants in my hand, that was a common practice that we would do. Yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. Off, We didn't have the straps to where you could. You had maybe one, two pair of handcuffs on. Yeah, and you have six guys. There's and so, that's ineffective. And, and we didn't have the electric yeah. ties, so we mm -hmm. would take their clothes, their pants off. Because they don't want to run around with cactus and bandles yeah, and brush or, and everything. And if we're going to hold them, you always took their shoes off and had them put their 
uh, valuables into their shoes, mm-hmm. and then you'd wait for transport while I'm doing them. So I just, I was going to have them. I could have had them carry, pick up their own pants and hold it out like this, and then if mm-hmm. they tried to, I could shoot them. But you didn't have your I, gun. I didn't have anything to shoot them with, and so I just was going to, I carried their pants myself. Wow. <laughs> and uh, the supervisor looked at me and. <laughs> Got it under control. He took to me. He says, "He says, if you're not back here, in a, in a, if you're not up at that station and showing me your your duty weapon within an hour, you know you're in big trouble. So you and have to race back to where that fence yeah, was. You're going to be in big trouble because now we got a problem. A border patrol agent has lost his duty has weapon. Lost his duty weapon right in the where traffic is and everything else. And you're probably going to get three days without pay anyway." talk yeah mm-hmm. so man i go back over there well i didn't have to i had a flashlight and i just followed it there it was i mean yeah just right, right there. there on the fence right yeah. there on, or on the ground, ground. yeah because i had an idea of what happened and i picked it up and come back <laughs> here it is here it is please and please don't talk me he says no yeah. anybody just has brass balls to bring him in with scope, <laughs> i'm not gonna write <laughs> oh wow. yeah so that one and the other one Oh, that's so cool. That's okay. such a cool story. Now, probably my favorite story. Okay. Oh, you got the wrong book. There you go. It's in the book. It explains. I wrote a poem. Oh, this, you wrote a poem. This affected me so much to where I wrote a poem. Uh, I would love for you to read that poem. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to explain what happened first, and I'm going to read the poem. Okay, so let's let's read the story first here. Let's put this pen right here so you don't lose your spot. Okay, I'm just going to tell you what happened. Okay. It was a Sunday afternoon. It was hot. We just got through harvesting tomatoes, and you had these coal fields of these tomatoes, and a lot of them were along the border. Okay. And a lot of times the Mexicans would jump across the border, and they would cull up the tomatoes, take the... And, your grandma used to do it all the time, and everybody did, and you, you could get they were excellent for canning and everything else. Okay. Well, I'm clear out on Brown's Field, uh, and that was just a desert area back then. I'm in Brown's Field, and I'm out there, way out there, hot. And I see this woman with two kids. And I thought, what's she doing way out here? Okay. So I'm watching her with my binoculars. And I thought, oh, she's going to pick those cold tomatoes, you know. Yeah. And I could see her. And so I'm kind of creeping with my, and I'm on this, I got a sedan. Okay. I don't have a four-wheeler. I got a sedan. And I'm just watching her, and I'm kind of creeping up. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to have to bust this. I don't think we got drugs here or anything, but I got to bust this. Yeah. So, man, I hit the gas, I come gas, and I come flying in. And I bring my sedan. I mean, I hit the brakes, big cloud of smoke. You come yeah. in strong. Big old cloud you know, of dust coming bam, up. Bam, I got the siren going and everything else. Yeah. And I hit it, and I get between the two kids and their mother. And I jump out. So you, your, your car is in between the mother and her two kids. The mother's still in Mexico on the fence. And there's just a little fence, kind of like a yeah. fence that's maybe chest high. Oh, okay. In this area of Brown's Field. Okay. Okay, just a barbed wire fence. Gotcha. As I recall, just a barbed wire fence. Mm-hmm. 
maybe four, maybe maybe four strands of barbed wire. Okay, three probably, mm-hmm. two. Anyway. Easily passable. Easy passable. Pick it up. Kids can yeah throw jump it. through. Yep. So you are on the U.S. side. Her kids are on the U.S. side, but she is on the other side of the fence. Technically, still geographically in Mexico. Yeah. Okay. She's geographically in Mexico. The two kids are geographically in the United States. Okay. And I remember looking at her, and she was she looked like she was about. 12, 13 years old, and she was dressed in rags, and her little brother, who's maybe six or seven. So these are the two kids? He, he, yeah, and okay. he's in rags. Okay. And I looked at this, and I thought, oh, my gosh. So, and they had these box, they had these pails with them and stuff. So they're going to go pick those tomatoes? They were going to pick the tomatoes. So I went out there, and I helped them pick the tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Then I took the two kids. I said, come on. I turned them over to the mother, and then I pulled up my, and the mother came to me, and she was crying. Oh, she's crying. Yeah. And I remember I wiped a tear away from her. I said, what? Wiped a tear away from her, if I remember correctly, and then I gave her some money. Okay. And I said, go home. Yeah. Now, I wrote a poem. Okay. So, wow, okay. Gotcha. That's really cool. So, you want me to read the poem? Absolutely. It's a long poem. I would love for you to read this poem. It's a long poem. Okay. The hellish thing, I'm talking about the pencil, the hellish thing it shines under hot desert sun. Strands of steel, tight and strong, run west Hold, hold on one east. second, Grandpa. Let's make sure we get the audio for this. Okay, I'm just, I'm just turning the microphone. Okay, go for it. You can go ahead and start over. Oh. The hellish thing it shines under hot desert sun. Strands of steel, tight and strong, run west to east. Rusty barbs rolled in corals to adorn her lofty heights. Red, blue, green cloth from shirt, blouse, blouse, pants. Cling to those rusty barbs, evidence of one's brave challenge past, yearning to breathe free. The golden gold, the golden door is closed, the lamp is out. It is a dismal sight, for hope is lost. It is a hellish thing. The emptiness of ages, the emptiness of ages past haunts her brown face. On her shoulders, the burden of the campesino. Both rapture and despair accompany her stride. Two children follow close behind. The wind, she sings a ghostly tune. It gently touches the lice-infected hair, lifting it up. The children cling to their mother's side. What breath blew out the lights within their little hearts? Time's tragedy is in their aching stare to fruitful fields afar. Plundered, profaned, disheartened are they. Their cry is protest to the powers, a protest that is prophecy fulfilled. The mother speaks, go my daughter to the fruitful field. Look, there is a hole in the fence to pass. But mother, pleads the young girl, we dare not cross. Surely La Migra waits in the shadows. Do not worry. Go and take Juanito with you. Fear not, La Migra, for he, shall, for he will see your innocence so pure. I cannot follow, for my innocence is masked by my years. The journey was long. Our cupboard reaps not, waiting for our return. A dollar, a dollar was spent for the torn dress you wear. A dollar is not left to fill the stomach of Juanito. Wait, look. The tomatoes are red and plump, hoeing down, discarded, laid to waste. 
It is but a stone's throw away. Hurry, for the day grows long. Take this pail, this box. Let them be filled with the wasteful riches of the Nortinos. Be on your way. Obey. Huge brown eyes give witness to the fear that grips their very soul of the little girl. Large brown eyes give witness to the, to the fear that grips the very soul of the little girl. She takes her brother's hand. He follows. He looks back at his mama. There is an ache within him. He knows not its meaning. In faith he follows his sister to lead him. The barbs, they grab hold of his blue shirt, stopping him. Mama comes to her son to free the shirt. A part is torn loose, left. Juanito's signature to the, to the spoken. Juanito's signature to be spoken by nature's wind. La Migra, having watched, comes from the shadows, his majestic power with shining steel, flashing red and blue lights, wailing silent, dominates all. Mama screams, a mournful scream from deep within her soul. She runs to the fence. The young girl looks up from her labor. The fear of millions past grips her tender breast. She trembles in weakness. She trembles in weakness, unable to answer Mama's call. Juanito, with fearful eyes, looks on in terror, first to Mama, then to his sister. He is caught betwixt the two. The fearful outcast in dirty rags knows not which way to run. It is too late. La Migra descends upon his prey, like a cheetah to the gazelle. The steel monster slides to his stop, with black tires locked in a cloud of dust. La Migra disembarks from his shining monster. He stands straight and tall. He looks round to see but three. What power this meager giant has to make any escape appear like the feeble wave of a baby's fist against a storm. There is no gift to give. La Migra beacons the girl to come. She fears him greatly. She knows not what to do. Her rags will not cover sufficient her skin so bare. But wait, what is this? La Migra brings... La Migra bids Juanito to help his sister. La Migra takes the pail and fills it full. Fear not, little ones, for I shall fill the box too. He takes them a stone's throw to where Mama waits trembling in fear and gives forth the much-needed food. Then he reaches through the fence across the border of two nations. Mama, she fears his reach to flinch a bit. Then with a thumb that has held the hammer of many guns. He tenderly wipes a tear from beneath her eye. From his, from his wallet he hands her money and speaks, Fear not, little mother, for God is the master. Mama, she divides the load amongst the three. It is four miles home to a cupboard that will reap well. La Migra stands arrayed in green against a desert sea to gaze upon a piece of blue cloth, cloth caught on barbed, on barbed steel. The three they turn and leave, bowed down by the weight of harvest left. No voice do they impart. La Migra having once turned round walks away to turn no more his head. A silent friend he knows doth beside him tread. There it is. That's awesome. Wrote a poem on it. There you go. Get the book. Wonderful. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, sometimes it can get kind of teary when I read it because it takes me back to that memory. Yeah. So let so me. That, uh, so, so today they sit there, and I have Antifa telling me that that I'm a fascist, uh, commu- I'm a fascist uh, Nazi, and and uh, come down my driveway and tell me that, and let's dance a dance. <laughs> That's well, all I got to say to yeah, Antifa. Sure, sure. We don't have to go down that road <laughs> okay. too too hardcore. Um, what do you say we take a break? Um, get some water, go to the bathroom, and then we'll pick back up. Okay, nope. Right. Got it.